Today's passage is from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning, Wellspring. Physically here as well as uh, online. I'm being filmed. Wow. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, today's message is uh, truly fundamental. Uh, and as, as we know, as we've grown up and we're fo- just trying to rehash fundamentals, uh, we tend to check out. <laughs> so uh, just remember, don't check out on, you're not checking out on me this morning, you're checking out on God. So now you're measured, right? Preparation is everything uh, when you are an athlete planning to attend the Olympic Games. The Australian swim team reported the training for the 2016 Games in Rio de Janeiro as follows. Monday, two hours swim in the morning, two hours swim in the afternoon, alongside one-hour circuit training. Tuesday, two-hour swim and two-hour in the gym and one-hour Pilates in the afternoon. Wednesday, two-hour swim in the morning and two-hour swim in the afternoon. Thursday, guess what? Two-hour swim, two hours in the gym, one-hour cardio and one-hour core work in the afternoon. Friday, two-hour swim, one-hour circuit training in the morning, and two-hour swim in the morning. Saturday, three-hour swim and two-hour circuit training. Sunday, day of rest. Yay! <laughs> Always love it when uh, the world follows God accidentally. 30 hours a week just in the water and uh, dry land training, as they call it in the swim world, for those who know swim. I would have drowned on Monday. This list doesn't include warm-ups, cool-downs, providing for nutritional needs and and other other before and after requirements. They keep this discipline routine for years and years before attending the games. And there's only excellence in preparation that equates to success in the pool. Preparation is everything when you are an athlete competing in the you know, Olympic Games in elite sports, whether D1 or D3, 
even rec sport. I play rec basketball. I don't practice. So I, I, I only get so good. Derek would know. He's probably much better than I am. No. <laughs> you know, uh, preparation is everything when we choose the new job that we're interviewing for, right? Preparation in choosing a school. And for you students, uh, I'm pretty sure if you prepare well for your exam, that equals to success. And I'm assuming that when you didn't prepare that way, it probably did not go well. I know this firsthand because I was an okay student. Our life's journey requires similar focus if we are to succeed. You know, Pastor Fuji mentioned uh, last week, we need to ask our Father in heaven to teach us how to number our days. Part of numbering our days is being prepared for those moments in life when things will go sideways. Not if, when. Jesus prepared his disciples for his death by letting them know that the world will bring us tribulation. Today, as his word is preached, reflect on what Jesus is preparing us for individually as well as corporately here at Wellspring. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day of worship. We thank you for the new mercies as we come before you. We thank you for the, your steadfast love. Jesus, thank you for your eternal med mediation for our souls today as you are, peace, you are our peace and joy. We are so grateful for your work on the cross. Holy Spirit, thank you for the power to live the joy in this present darkness. Holy Spirit, thank you for the prompts to come before God Almighty so we can align with his purpose today and always. In his most precious name, we pray. Amen. See, preparation is vital for experiencing peace and joy we have in Jesus. Jesus moved the disciples to specific action, preparing them to receive the authority and power of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of making disciples across all nations. Preparation is vital for developing the faith in our triune God as we do the work we have been set apart to do. This instruction wasn't only for the disciples, but for all Christians, both then and today. Our mission is to join God in what we, he is doing by offering hope and the new life found only in Jesus to our coworkers, neighbors, friends, and family. So today we're going to look at three specific ways Jesus, our Savior, prepares us for life's journey. Our Savior brings us, his disciples, peace and joy. Our Savior gives his disciples a mission. Our Savior calls his disciple to great faith. Jesus reminds us, disciples and us, and us that, that there will be tribulation, but not for before he spoke that he and him, we will have peace. And with his peace, joy always follows. Today's scripture is when the first Easter takes place. The very first Easter. Unlike how we celebrate, reflecting on peace and joy Jesus gives us, his disciples were locked in a room, fearing for their lives. Then poof, Jesus literally appears. Calmly, he greets them. Peace be with you. Our Savior brings 
his disciples and us peace on this first day of Easter. The grief, fear, and uncertainty has set in with Jesus' disciples. Would they face the same fate as Jesus? And what were, the, what were they to, to make of the empty tomb, right? Overwhelmed by unanswered questions, the disciples huddled together behind locked doors. But then Jesus entered the room and issued a greeting of peace. Again, peace be with you, he reminds them. After all, grief becomes a temporary woe in light of Jesus' resurrection and the truth of our own of his return. Fear flees when we look upon the risen Lord, who has already defeated death. Timothy Keller says of our Savior's peace. But here we see the peace of God is not the absence of negative thoughts. It is the presence of God himself. It is a sense that no matter what happens, everything will ultimately be all right, even though it may not be all right at the moment. So despite the guilt the disciples no, no doubt felt for leaving Jesus in his darkest moments, the disciples rejoices when they, they saw the risen Savior, the substance of their faith and the confirmation that all of Scripture is true. Grief and fear are real emotions and responses to our situations. We can't be honest and acknowledge these feelings. But we believers must also acknowledge the grief and fear won't last forever. And praise God for that. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, Jesus' followers need not succumb to the power of grief and fear. Jesus identified himself to his followers by showing them his nail-pierced hands and the wound inside. Then he commissioned them. Christ wastes no time. He wastes no time, right? Some, especially Peter, may initially have been uh, apprehensive to see Jesus in light of the less than perfect performer surrounding Jesus' crucifixion. But joy prevailed, and Jesus showed no sign of ill will, but rather attended to the business at hand. Again, Jesus just goes right into what he does best. Is it startling or comforting to know the risen Lord can walk through closed doors? This indicates that resurrected bodies are no longer subject to the same limitations that apply to our present earthly bodies. You know, when I go to heaven, I'm going to be living my best life the science fiction story that I always wanted, you know, be able to float around and do weird things. Look forward to that. See here, I mean, it describes on other occasions, Jesus is able to vanish from sight at an instant. His followers may mistake him for a ghost or initially fail to recognize him at all. But while Jesus' glorified body can walk through closed doors and peer or disappear apparently at will, it is still the glorified body that was put in the tomb that stands before them. See, an experience with the Savior will and should change our disposition, just as it did for the disciples. Jesus had promised in John 16, 20 that the disciples would be sorrowful for a time, but their, will, their grief would be turned to joy. This appearance of the risen Savior fulfilled the promise. The transition from grief and fear to peace and joy occurs when we gaze upon the one who is powerful over all, over our sin, over the world, 
Yes, even over death. I mean, in our current situation, right, um, the pandemic is killing people. The war in Ukraine is killing people. In our country, right, there has been more mass shootings, leaving children dead in the wake than we could have ever imagined. Physical death and darkness looms daily. Let's turn on the news. I don't, because <laughs> I... Stuff is hard to listen to. Then there's death of relationships between husbands and wives, parents and their children. Friendships end. And finally, what may most be relevant to us is uh, death of hopes, dreams, and expectations in academics and, and careers. As followers, believers of Christ, like Christ, death is not an end. He takes death and brings us into a resurrection life. And in this life, he is our peace and joy. A pastor named Scotty Smith writes, Jesus' encounter with the fearful, guilt-ridden disciples is a model of what should happen every time we gather together in Jesus' name to worship God. Jesus comes into our midst and speaks to us by his word and then applies the gospel of peace to our souls and breathes his spirit upon us, commissioning us to go forth as servants of the gospel. That's worship, not just Sunday. Every day we get up. In other words, we engage with Jesus whenever we gather with his body, the church, and together receive the Holy Spirit-empowered teaching of the word. Often the world is marked by frantic busyness, cynicism, and frustration. But God's people are to be marked by their peace and joy, both found in the fruit of the Spirit. These are not characteristics we conjure up on our own, right? Only interaction with our risen Savior and the work of the Holy Spirit can cultivate peace and joy in our lives. So my first question to you this morning is, how would you rate the presence of God's peace and joy in your life today, right now? How would you rate the presence of God's peace and joy in your life right now? See, one look at the risen Savior and, and the disposition of the disciples changed immediately. And we should also have that same visceral experience every time we meet the Savior, right? Because knowing the truth of the resurrection, trusting Jesus to fulfill all of his promises should result in peace and joy. These characteristics, again, should be the marks of a Christian who fully understands the depth from which they have been saved and the victory that is sure in Jesus. Whenever we engage with our Christ, it has to be a visceral experience deep within our hearts, right? Because Christ is our peace and has secured our eternity. There is nothing for us to fear because we trust that he is in control and powerful over all things. He is our joy because he is our goal as we fix our eyes on him and enjoy a relationship with him today that we will be perfected in eternity.
death loses its sting and frustrations lose their pain in light of what he has promised for those who love him. That's us. We don't have to live as the world does with cynicism, chaotic busyness, negativity, and complaints. We can enjoy every breath God gives us with joy and rest and peace because Jesus is Savior and Lord, reigning over all and interceding on our behalf. We know that a day is coming when we will be with him in fullness in his kingdom. But until that day comes, we must allow the Savior to continue to prepare us with his peace and joy as we meet him daily and corporately. So with Jesus' peace and joy, our risen Savior also gives us and his disciples a mission, right? We serve a sending God who sent his son so that we might be reconciled to him. As we are united by Jesus by faith, we then are sent on mission by him. Believers participate in God's ministry of reconciliation with sinners by offering them his promise of forgiveness of sins. This sending isn't a casting out, but a going with, because the gospel message cannot go forth without the power and the help of the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus provides to his followers. Over and over, over again in scripture, we see the call go out to God's people to be light in dark places. You know, it was amazing that in a blink of an eye, Pastor Sam and a group of our, our elders were in Ukraine doing some crazy stuff for God, right? Jesus humbled himself and became a servant so that we could be forgiven of our sin and maybe made right with, with God. Jesus has secured an eternity through his crucifixion and resurrection. The instinctive response to grace we've been given by God is to share this great promise with others both near and far. Jesus' giving of the Holy Spirit there is not, here is not the pouring out of the Spirit as found in the Pentecost account. Here, Jesus gave the disciples a measure of the Holy Spirit, probably to enhance their learning times between the resurrection and the ascension. When God created Adam, he breathed the breath of spirit into his nostrils, and Adam became a living soul. At that moment, God gave our first parents the task of taking care of all of God's creation. So Jesus also breathed on his disciples, empowering them and giving them a task. See, the Jewish people believed God was the only one that can forgive sins. When Jesus breathed his spirit on his disciples, he transferred authority to them to spread the good news of forgiveness of sins as evidence from the day of Pentecost. God's spirit gives each of us the spiritual authority. We need to fight our battles and to do God's will. John recorded this event as his version of the Great Commission. So Jesus' command and the coming of the Holy Spirit are the basis of the church's authority and power to take the gospel to the nations, the community, and to our family. The mission of sharing the good news of Jesus is not only for those called to be pastors and missionaries, rather it is the mission of every believer here at Wellspring both individually and collectively at the church to do this work. 
the church and its members have received from Jesus, the head of the church, the authority to proclaim the forgiveness of sin. Through the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit, we are called to Jesus in repentance and faith. And, th- and through God, the same work of God, we are sent that we may call others to Jesus as well. So just remember, only God can forgive sins, right? So Jesus' instruction to his disciples in John 20, 23 does not mean believers as individuals or as a church collectively have authority to forgive sin. It means they, us, have the authority to proclaim sinners are forgiven. Through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' followers are permitted to proclaim on earth only what is already true in heaven. Namely, that those who repent and believe the gospel message have received forgiveness and sin of sins. The mission of the church is to go into the world in the power of the Holy Spirit and make disciples proclaiming the gospel, calling people to respond in ongoing repentance of faith and demonstrating the truth and power of the gospel by living under the lordship of Christ for the glory of the God and good of the world. Jesus was sent by the Father to reveal his plan to reconcile people to himself. Jesus humbled himself willingly, died on a cross to pay penalty that you and I both deserve for our sins. Not just today or not just the past, but also for tomorrow's sin. And as he was sent, so are we. We are sent as lights into a dark world to announce God's plan of reconciliation, the good news of Jesus. That doesn't mean that as soon as you become Christian, you automatically go into the international missions field. Though some are called to do that. But what I really believe is that we are called to do mission work in the context of our daily lives. The people that you have influence over. And thankfully, it isn't a calling we complete on our own. It is through the Holy Spirit's power that we may offer good news of salvation through Jesus. Every believer is is to live a sent life, proclaiming Jesus as Savior and and forgiveness of sin offered through him. Our church is a sign of an instrument of the kingdom of God, a people united by faith in the gospel announcement of the crucified and risen King Jesus. This mission of our church is to go into the world in the power of the Holy Spirit and make disciples by proclaiming this gospel, calling people to respond in ongoing repentance and faith, and demonstrating the truth and power of the gospel by living under the lordship of Christ for the glory of God and the good of the world. Question two for you this morning is, are you living sent? Intentionally seeking opportunities to share the gospel. Why or why not? Are you living sent? Intentionally seeking up opportunities to share the gospel. Why or why not? So as I prepared this message, I realize God's measuring me, right? Because of what I'm in because of my son Owen with the water polo and, and, and swimming, there's a lot of non-believers that are, are good friends. 
And that question goes right to me. Am I living a sent life? Am I intentionally looking for ways to share the good news of Jesus to these friends? You can ask me how I'm doing on that later. As we pursue our sent lives, our Savior calls us, his disciples, to great faith. Final point for this morning. Jesus showed astounding kindness and care to Thomas. Right? This doubting disciple had heard the reports and still doubted. But now he saw the risen Savior with his own eyes and touched him with his own hands. Jesus met Thomas in his unbelief and offered up proof of his resurrection. In response, Thomas believed and proclaimed, my Lord and my God. See, questioning is, an, is not an assault on the truth, which can stand its ground, right? God's truth will always stand its ground. Faith is not a matter of setting for, settling for a lower intellectual standard so that we can believe in things that will make us feel better about life. Faith is coming to realize, despite what someone, some circumstances might suggest, that God can satisfy us in ways beyond our comprehension. When Thomas met the risen Lord, he was compelled to accept this truth. God's promises had come to fruition in Jesus' resurrection. And eternal life, eternal satisfaction had been obtained for God's people through the crucifixion and resurrection of God's son in the flesh. Thomas believed when he, he saw the object of his faith, the risen Jesus. We don't have the privilege to see Jesus with our own eyes today. At least not yet, right? But we don't trust him with blind faith either. We have eyewitness accounts in the gospel that testifies to Jesus' resurrection from the dead. So Jesus said, those who believe in him through the word of these eyewitnesses are blessed. Even more so than what Thomas saw, we are given the Holy Spirit, right? We, we are given the Holy Spirit in whole, not just a measure as the other disciples received a week prior, right? The Holy Spirit was given to empower us to walk faithfully the will of God for our lives. The Holy Spirit was given to direct our lives to seek out our Savior daily to deepen the faith we have been called to have. And the Holy Spirit urges us to do our part on the mission we have been called to do at home, in our community, and out in the world. We have the help of the Holy Spirit Jesus promised to us and he stands with us 24-7, 365, on our best days and most definitely on our worst days. In addition, God has provided for us his word in which the eyewitnesses and spokesmen for God and his son recorded their inspired words and encounters for us. Therefore, we walk by faith, not by sight as we see Jesus through the eyes of faith as we read God's word. And don't miss that point. In preparing ourselves, or Jesus preparing us, we have the word 
which also means we have no excuse not to know what to do, where to go. But we should not think that the gospels are limited in this regard. For all of scripture is God-breathed and points to Jesus as God's son sent to die on the cross for our sins and be raised again for our eternal life. 1 Peter 1.8 says, And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. We haven't seen the risen Christ, but we have experienced the risen Christ in his power and his presence. We love him. And Peter says, though you haven't seen him, you love him. So we're living that verse. I pray that we are. Last question. Do we believe in him? It's not a rhetorical question. Please don't think so. Because I think daily we need to measure ourselves this way. Do we believe in him? Do we greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, or obtain or obtaining as the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. See, we believe in eternal salvation. We believe in the one who we, we haven't seen. Why? Because we believe in the, the record of scripture. Why do we believe in the Bible? Because the Holy Spirit has given us not only faith in Christ, but faith in scripture. We are not argued into believing the Bible. We were led by divine power into believing the Bible, the word of God. And we walk, says Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, by faith, not by sight. We don't need to see the risen Christ to love him. We don't need a vision of him. We don't need him to appear to us today. Well, he appeared to Thomas. Sure, but not because that's the only way that we can be saved or sanctified, but because that's the final evidence of a literal physical resurrection. It wasn't just for Thomas, as personal as it was here. It was for all who will ever read his word. That's us and the people we bring the word to. We have a risen Christ. A risen Christ whom we love and whom we believe. Our lives as disciples of Christ should look significantly different from the world around us. Our disposition should reflect our understanding of the gospel. Jesus has defeated sin, death, and evil, and offers us resurrection with God both now and forever through his work on the cross. This is reason to rejoice. We are people marked by the kindness of our Savior. Our faith in the resurrection should change the way we approach and spend our days. See, if we allow Jesus to prepare us every morning I'm pretty sure we will have a visceral experience with him that prepares us for the day ahead. 
We are to live as sent people, joining in God's mission to extend the good news of Jesus to all people through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are to be people who live by faith, focused not on the desires of our flesh, but on Jesus and his eternal reward, knowing our earthly desires are but rags in light of his promises. Three questions. I think it's really important that we always leave worship with questions of who we are and where we are in Christ. So here, remember these. How would you rate the presence of God's peace and joy in your life today, right now? Are you living sent, intentionally seeking opportunities to share the gospel to the people in your lives? Why or why not? Do we believe him? Do we greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, receiving or obtaining as the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls? Let's pray. Father, help us answer these questions honestly this morning. Jesus, prepare us with your peace as you send us out in faith to do your work. Holy Spirit, empower us to live transformed lives and be influencers with the good news we have been commissioned to bring to the world, the community, and to our friends and family. Thank you, Almighty God. In Christ's name we pray, and all his people said, Amen.